Welcome to Koinonia Podcast. We exist to engage the church with edifying biblical discussion that is relevant to our local church in our world today. Let's tune in in today's episode. Welcome back to Koinonia Podcast, and I am Pastor Brent, the service lead pastor of Steel Valley Church. And who's this good-looking guy? <laughs> they can't see me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is David Suarez. I am the uh, young adult leader for our wonderful seven-cubed group here at Steel Valley. Amen. Yeah. So it's been a couple months since we got together like this. Yeah. Um, a lot has happened in, in the church, and so yeah. we've kind of had to redirect some of our energy True. Um, in a couple different directions um, between people stealing tractors <laughs> to people cutting copper pipes off of uh, AC units and... Um, just <laughs> all the the sanctifying things that God brings into our path. Amen. Um, but it's it's been been busy. Yeah. Um, ministry related, practically related. Um, you've got a new job. Yeah, yeah. Since we last spoke, I have a new job. Thank God. I I'm really excited about it. I get to teach high schoolers at a Christian school. I get to teach them about the Bible. Uh, so I get to teach an Old Testament course. Mm-hmm. In the spring, I get to teach the New Testament, and right now I'm teaching Old Testament uh, study. I teach C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. so like mere Christianity, and then I also get to teach worldview and ethics, so how different people define good and evil, and how the Bible does it correctly, and then apologetics. So I also get to teach students how to defend their faith. Oh, it is so fun. All nice. debates aside, it is so fun. Nice. It's wonderful. Nice. So obviously teaching high schoolers comes with challenges to begin with. Yes. And now adding in the dimension of, of Christianity and teaching mm-hmm. about, you know, the, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, can sometimes be difficult and challenging. So Yeah. A lot of respect to you pastors who have this as like a life. That's just like everything. Because, <laughs> you know, it's tough enough with high schoolers because they got all their stuff happening at home. Yeah. As a pastor, you have to deal with like... The whole flock, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so many different problems and people and struggles. And so I only get a snapshot of that mm-hmm. with high schoolers. So yeah. I, it's amazing to think what God uses pastors to do. Like, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it keeps me on my toes. Yeah. <laughs> it ages me exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. We call that sanctification. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gray hair is part of sanctification. That's right. That's right. But it is a joy and an honor to serve the Lord through pastoring, Hmm. even in the tough times. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's always wonderful knowing that God is called and God will sustain. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. So, so last time we got together, it was a previous episode, um, probably about three months now um, that it was released. So um, yeah, we talked about exegesis Yes, and got into more of the practical, uh, practical areas of exegesis of mm-hmm. how to do that well, how to look at structure, how to find emphasis uh, in a passage and things like that. So what the goal of this podcast would be to is to kind of uh, start to, after we've unpacked all the text says, the emphasis and, and, and all that, we want to figure out what, why it matters and how it connects to the cross. That's right. So this happens through... Uh, a process of theological reflection mm-hmm. 
and how the text uh, relates to the cross of Jesus Christ as we prepare to see it, how, how it relates to our lives today. Nice. And so I don't want to talk about application yet. Yeah, we could talk yeah, about that in right. the next podcast. But mm-hmm. what we'd like to probably go through is just kind of expounding upon um, what's involved in this theological reflection part. Once we've yeah. we've turned over stones in a passage and everything like that, what do we do with it then? That's right. This is where reflection comes in 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 in. in practice that's right that's so. right and what does that even mean you know like theological <clears throat> term, reflection like theological reflection it, it can sound like it's a an advanced term right <laughs> something you're gonna see on an sat or act or something like is that, it just you know? glorified thinking yeah <laughs> yeah right like <laughs> philosophy right yeah like isn't that just thinking about things yeah um yeah what what is what is theological reflection so that people don't get scared off from the yeah. sat words and what's what what's involved in yeah. theological reflection? There are what some terms for us to help. So uh, two of the terms are biblical theology mm-hmm. and systematic theology. That's so cool. Um, sometimes we can run into the danger of of sort of just intellectually um, looking at the passage of turning over stones and then saying, this is what it means today. Mm -hmm. But that's where you get into like legalism of don't do this and don't do that. Because when you're doing that in isolation, um, that, that makes, um, that sort of strips the text of any progression in uh, church history, like a historical approach, but also Mm -hmm. redemptive history relating to the cross. And so we don't yeah. want to ever read the Bible isolated from the cross. Amen. Um, it's Christocentric, uh, being the Word of God. Um, but if we if if we do all the work of exegesis and stop, it will sort of take all the the wonder out of the Bible. It will be boring. It'll be ineffective. That's right. um, it, it will strip the power of the Word to apply the text to our days and stir up holiness in our lives. Mm. Um, it'll just be a bunch of do's and don'ts. So yeah. it's biblical good. theology. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about this, this rigorous um, prayerful discipline yeah. Yeah. Um, of meditation, how the passage relates to God's plan of redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus did this well. Um, yeah. He yes, he always did. he uh, he definitely confronted the teachings of the day, saying that it's all about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even see in Paul's life, um, you know, Jesus is who he proclaims. You know that he is the Christ, and even Spurgeon. You know, if he he actually has this funny quote of, if. If he can't find the road to Jesus Christ, he's going to plow his <laughs> own or something yeah, like that. What right. is that? Yeah, I, it's like bulldoze away to Christ. Uh, boy. <laughs> Which is perhaps stronger than we would word it. But, yeah. but you, you and I are full agreement that, that, you know, that Christ is correct. When yeah. Christ does say that all the law and the prophets and, and all that is in the word points to him. I can't find that quote. But yeah, that's such a good one. It's a funny quote because he was so just bound by Jesus Christ and, yeah. and proclaiming him that he would he would find a way. But I don't think that that's necessarily difficult when you yeah. understand the scope of redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into biblical theology because I know that we that's probably a term that might be um, kind of confusing to just yeah. an average Bible reader. Um, True, because they think that that's related to seminary, and might they it might not um, 
might not relate to just the average Bible reader. That's right. So how does biblical theology, maybe in, in your perspective, how does biblical theology really inform our understanding of our exegetical work? Yeah, well, the, the beauty of biblical theology, and, and there's this great, you know, each theology has a question that it's trying to answer, right? Um, I found this great chart online that actually expresses it so well. Biblical theology is just really simply saying for everybody, what is the big picture what is the what's the overall narrative of the Bible, and how does this passage fit into that? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in previous podcasts we talked about, and you so wonderfully expounded upon the truth of a, a biblical hermeneutic that's consistent in this melodic line, not just in one book of the Bible, but throughout the whole entire Scripture. This yeah. melodic line, it's really consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, biblical theology says, okay, well. What is that line? Or maybe someone could say, what, what's the symphony? Uh, yeah. what, what's, what's all of this about? And how does this play? What does this note play in that entire symphony, in that entire melody? Yeah. Um, you know, so like, uh, yeah, you know, it's all pointing to Christ. But when I'm reading Genesis chapter 2 or Genesis chapter 3, you know, how is that pointing to redemption? Yeah. You know, how is this pointing to... To Christ, how are we getting there from God speaking to the serpent and mm-hmm. the woman and saying, you know, there will be enmity between your offspring and hers, and and uh, he shall yeah. crush your head and you will strike his heel, right? Yeah. Like, how does that point to Christ? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's really just trying to see what the big picture of the whole Bible is, and how yeah. this is one note in that big symphony. I love how you mentioned um, the symphony because I think if. Um, I think if everybody who opens their Bible could literally see um, like musical staff lines going yes. through from Genesis to Revelation, yeah. because what that is is a symphony of God's redemption. Mm-hmm. And it, when you start to understand how music works, you're going to see, you're going to feel the emphasis you're going to sense tension in the yes. narrative and you know you get that tension in the days of um exiled israel you get it in the days of the judges like pre-kingship mm-hmm. um and so you feel this tension and it feels dreary and yeah. music often takes people through like a sort of uh unresolved tension That's that right. you sense in the music and and you, it's almost like your instinct is you want it to resolve. Mm-hmm. And then David comes, yes, you know, and, and he, he establishes, he rules well, and then by 2 Samuel, things go haywire, <laughs> and then they go back, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> so true. And so you sense that sort of, that wave of music occurring. So I, if, if anybody can take anything out of this podcast, I think to, to really look at the Bible as a musical piece mm-hmm. written by a perfect god yeah so yeah every good composer is really good at making sure an audience can feel the desire for completion right the desire for the for the uh disharmony or something that seems like it's not complete uh for that to be resolved every good composer is really good on holding for the right moment yeah for uh, a note or for a chord or some chord progression to be resolved yeah because every everyone has this desire to see all things you know, completed and finished and paid for and done mm-hmm. uh, in our hearts. And so the Bible is really good at making sure that you know that we're going towards something. Yeah. And thank God we have such a perfect composer who knows how to direct all of the musical instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so 
back to biblical theology, mm-hmm. so you're you're asking what question again? Yeah, yeah. The the question is what is the big picture story? Big picture of of, of the Bible. And okay. How does this little thing fit into that big picture? Okay. So let's let's unpack that. Um, because there, it seems like there's a progression involved mm-hmm. and like an unfolding. Yeah, that's right. A story. That's exactly you know? right. Um, and it directly, re- it directly connects to the cross of Jesus Christ is yeah. where, where we're aiming at. And so it's not necessarily saying, "Where's Jesus Christ in my text here?" Exactly. He's not mentioned. It's, it's yeah. you know decades before Jesus was on earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, he's not hiding behind every rock or every tree yeah. in the text, uh, but you need to start, I think, asking the right questions of the text in biblical theology. Yes. Yeah. So how does the gospel affect my understanding of this text? So mm-hmm. it kind of takes the gospel that we know right now and then reflecting back upon the text. Yeah. So how does that affect my understanding of the text? And then um, how does the text anticipate yes. the gospel? Yeah, that's really... That's, those are the Christ connections. That's amazing. So in that, and when you take those with theological reflection, it just uh, it just um, blooms the, the biblical narrative in ways that would have never done in just simply exegesis. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's taking it a step further. That's right. Because if you... You know, the the beauty is when you're going through the Old Testament, there's a lot of mystery. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of confusing passages, and and that's a good thing. I mean, you're supposed to have that tension when you're going through. Yeah. Like, when you go through Zechariah 12.10, and it, you know, it says, and Yahweh, and Yahweh says, and the Lord says, on that day you will look on me whom you have pierced and mourn for him. Yeah. As one mourns for a firstborn child and only son. When you read that, even modern Jews who aren't Christian, they're like, I don't know how to take this passage. This is such a mystery. How is it that God can be pierced, right? Mm-hmm. How is it, and why does he switch from me to him so interchangeably, yeah. right? And so there's these mysteries uh, that, that are there, and they're anticipating the cross. Mm-hmm. And then when you finally, when you see the cross, you're like, wow, oh, this is what that, this is what it's all been about. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. there's this relief, uh, this, this, I mean, obviously the climax of everything, right? So there's this rising tension the whole time, but there's this relief saying, oh, this is God. Hmm. Oh, this is who he's always been. And so it's, it's, it's really enthralling for a Bible reader, right? I know a lot of times this stuff can sound kind of nerdy, but really it's enthralling. You're, you're, yeah. you're finally seeing these questions answered, mm-hmm. and, and biblical theology helps with that Yeah, uh, to help us resolve those mysteries. Yeah. So biblical theology, um, I think the first thing that that we need to do is is develop a biblical theology. Yeah, you know, yeah, to understand true. that story and that narrative to figure out where the the tension is. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you can get a biblical theology is to start by reading the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> That's what that first part means. Reading it a lot. Yeah. Um, regularly, yeah. prayerfully, mm-hmm. um, and look for different melodies yeah and um and things like that the only way you're going to be able to get the big picture is to read the big picture mm-hmm. and go from genesis to revelation every year um is is so vital yeah um but there are some resources out there i love throwing resources out that's good um that's good. to get yeah. a biblical theology there's um 
you know, um, there's Voss, there's biblical theology by Voss. Um, Jonathan Edwards has the, um, the history of the work of redemption. And then Graham Goldsworthy, probably the best one is, is, um, a gospel and kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have it somewhere on my bookshelf. Goldsworth trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I got it because you recommend it. It's actually really, it's really good. Yeah. And there, there is one book that I've read, read to my kids. Uh, you can read at a six-year-old level, written mm-hmm. by David Helm. Um, and it's called The Big Picture Story Bible. Picture and Story Bible. it is just fantastic. It's, it's got you know childish illustrations and things like that. But what it does is it teaches biblical theology to my mm. kids. And so when I'm I know that there's a parent win when we're driving down the the streets and uh, you know a cop is is pulling somebody over and they'll they'll say like is the reason why they're getting pulled over because of Adam and Eve um, sinning oh. in, in the garden and I'm like yeah wow it's the problem of of sin that's amazing yeah. and that's you know it's it's all being developed through just simple resources. Um, Getting that for my nieces and my nephew. Wow. It's a, it's such a great book. It really is. Um, but obviously, you wouldn't want to maybe be caught in a coffee shop reading a six-year-old <laughs> children's book. So, you know, maybe maybe try Graham Goldsworthy. Um, good, good point. You know, Gospel and Kingdom. It's really good. Yeah. Um, other ways to get a biblical theology is is to simple simply just allow the the text to lead the way in a mm-hmm. different times like say you're reading the book of hebrews mm-hmm. hebrews refers back to yes. the old testament constantly yeah. the apostles referred back to uh the fulfillment of scripture and prophecy mm-hmm. um especially uh peter's first sermon in acts um so cross references are are definitely key to helping develop a biblical theology i think yeah um true. other than resources um but yeah, I, I think that there's prophetic fulfillments, mm. there's themes, there's analogies, and we can go into like the weeds of all of that, like typology yes. <laughs> and things like that. And and that's all part of biblical theology. Yeah. But the aim of this episode isn't necessarily to like dive into like a seminary look of of biblical theology because I don't think many listeners will probably make it out alive. They'll <laughs> that's be a good like, point. This is this is this is a bit much. This is over my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is important. Um, I think to to see um, some of the the Bible, um, even in trajectory, thinking of like four chapters of the Bible. Some mm-hmm. people think of like fall or creation, obviously right. fall, redemption, and then new creation, that's right, restoration. That's so, right. Isn't that beautiful? So you can look at that when you start reading the Bible in those sort of chapters, mm-hmm. you know, those that that's all contributing to biblical theology. That's um, right. So, but then there's also the aspect of systematic theology. Yes. There so it is. biblical theology yeah. is looking at the big picture, the story, the themes, and things like that. Yeah. But systematic theology is also part of theological reflection. But yes. how does that fit in? Yeah. There, there's this uh, again. Great. I love these wonderful simple images online because they yeah. go to what the question is and what, what the question is that's being answered mm-hmm. so systematic theology as we said with the kids before in the kids ministry mm-hmm. is what the bible says consistently about a topic mm-hmm. uh, but the question online that it's answering is what is true about god mm-hmm. uh what is true about what god says about blank about x about marriage about life about death etc so so it's really just saying what is 
true about God that is said of him systematically throughout mm-hmm. the scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful aspect of biblical theology mm-hmm. because part of understanding the entire story, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let's say that there are these kind of four chapters we say for the Bible, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration mm-hmm. uh, of all creation, right? So if these are the four chapters that we make for our division of biblical theology, mm-hmm. then we do have to understand who is before, through, and with it all, mm-hmm. right? And that's God. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is his story. Yeah. You know, all history is his story. And so yeah. we speak to God's nature. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in creation, who created the heavens and the earth? Well, mm-hmm. God did. And so we see God as the creator, the eternal uh, creator, the uncaused cause, the unmoved mover. He is. Mm-hmm. And I guess at that point, that's all you really have to say, just he is. Yeah. So behind each chapter, right, um, in the fall, you know, man, man has sinned. Uh, they've gone against the one command, one yeah. command God gave. Yeah. You know, how, yeah. how could you? But all of, all of us have sinned and fallen short, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. And and so now, uh, why is that so bad, though? Mm. Right? So now, now we have to say, well, it's not simply just like, oh, I made an oopsie, right? Yeah. Uh, we stand before a God who... By all accounts, according to Isaiah, they say this word three times to describe God. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy. Yeah. Holy, holy mm-hmm. is the Lord God Almighty. So, so now we're like, okay, all right, so in the fall, it's it's such a big deal because because God is holy mm-hmm. and he's righteous. Yeah. Uh, you know, the book of James says that there's no variation or shadow in him uh, at all. So so he's, he's pure and perfect. What you're getting into is doctrines. Exactly. You're saying exactly. doctrines connects with systematic theology. Exactly Doctrine right. of God, like theology proper or mm-hmm. something like that. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and it helps with our biblical theology. Yeah. It kind of asks the who behind each what, Yeah. I guess is what we could say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like from the creation and the fall and then even to like... Uh, redemption by Christ, yeah, and into final restoration. Redemption makes us ask more about God, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, th- this is a unique story. What kind of God takes on human flesh? And yep, lives a perfect life yep. in our place, dies the death we deserve uh, yep. to die, a hundred percent, and then freely, you know, gives life and rises again. Yeah, defeating death and grace. Who who is this? Well, this yeah. is God. Uh, he is life. There is life in Him. Uh, and then finally, restoration, you know, all of new creation, I guess, restoration, everything's yeah. made new. Uh, what kind of God does that? Yeah. Well, we have a God who is not just a redeemer of his people, but literally a redeemer of all creation, mm-hmm. groaning. So so really, in that, we've seen in all biblical theology, there's this question of God mm-hmm. and who he is. Yeah. Uh, and that that question of who or how, mm-hmm. maybe some people would say, yeah, that that's that question underneath the yeah. what of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. The bedrock of of theological reflection is built upon this biblical theology and systematic theology. Biblical theology helps you understand that story as it's unfolding. Systematic theology holds you in the faith. It connects the. The gospel to uh, from from per- particular genres of historical theology. Um, I think it helps you um, understand who God is mm-hmm. and what He's done. Um, it's not necessarily like like God revealed His truth to us in system, um, in a system kind of like how Simeon uh, Charles Simeon put it. 
but the Bible is, is not is no system as such. Mm-hmm. The the result of this conviction is simply to lay aside a system and fly to the Bible. It's trying to like unite ourselves with yeah. the truth that's revealed to receive its words with submission and without an eye of any system. Um, you know, being a Bible Christian, not a system Christian. Some people Amen. can take systematic theology um, to such a degree that um, they put false systems together, yeah. um, which is actually like the the root of a lot of false teachings yes. because it's taking um, yes. it's taking the Bible, systemizing it, um, and then like regurgitating some some sort of just error of understanding of what what the truth actually is. It it dis it disregards any biblical theology, mm-hmm. anything that's said clearly. It disregards because it yeah. those things would contradict their system mm-hmm. um, that they put put together. That's and true. so, I think systematic theology, if it does anything, it holds you in the faith. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah, yeah. When you when you true. wrestle with difficult conclusions about the text, it mm-hmm. uh, sound theology will be a guide. Yes. Um, if the Bible says some something here that really challenges something over there, mm-hmm. it makes you be, uh, it, it brings you accountability saying, okay, we need to f- figure out what is the difficult conclusion of this text here exactly. that I'm just not understanding because it's not going to contradict ever. Um, you know, the Bible does not contradict other passages. Usually it has to do with our context. It has to do mm-hmm. with those stones that we we've already turned, which goes back into exegesis. That's right. So that's true. I think uh, early church fathers actually often said, if there be a moment where I think the Bible goes against itself, it's me who needs to learn. Right. Uh, the, the the scripture, and perhaps one of the biggest foundations for systematic theology, is that the scripture does not contradict itself. Yeah. I mean, we know Second Timothy 3.16, we know that the scripture is God-breathed, uh, truly inspired by God. And so, and it's, it's true, after all that I've seen with the scripture, uh, the scripture is without contradiction. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is clear in the proclamations it's making mm-hmm. and the truth that it's giving. Yeah. Uh, on on that front. So since we know that, that's why it's so important in each moment, whenever mm-hmm. we see something in a specific context, mm-hmm. we read it, we see what it means, mm-hmm. see how it points to Christ, and see in that process, as we're looking to the cross, how that reflects the nature of God as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the danger, like what you see with a lot of cults, actually, is they're afraid to reconcile certain verses. So, as a matter of fact, that's why so many cults have often said, uh, we believe in the Bible if it's correctly translated, mm-hmm. because otherwise there's contradictions. Uh, now, there's no contradictions, but because they refuse to, number one, follow the historical understanding of the scripture, mm-hmm. and number two, they're unwilling to see God as transcendent, mm-hmm. they, they often make these very serious issues, right? Like, yeah. you must worship on this day, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, who says that there won't be uh, one more prophet mm-hmm. after Christ or something? There, there's always something in a cult. Mm-hmm. And so you notice that there's usually this attack on the Trinity mm-hmm. and usually this attack on biblical inerrancy of some kind. Yeah. Uh, so so it's really important to hold to the truth that the Bible is uh, is without contradiction yeah. in, in the theology it's teaching. Yeah. And then we can have a healthier moving forward. Yes. For biblical and systematic theology. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, even faith alone. Yes. You know, and things oh, like goodness. that. You yes. know, James 2, taken out of context, you might pit <laughs> scripture against scripture, which, you know, is a big orthodox thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that um, unfortunately, it, um, it pits scripture against scripture, which then comes into question the inerrancy of scripture exactly exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah it's it's not saying that works are are completely to be dismissed but mm-hmm. our our salvation is is on account of our faith mm-hmm. um, Paul makes that very clear and James does not contradict that not the, the emphasis is that there were a lack of works in the, in the church that James was writing to that's right which was saying that y'all probably aren't even saved yeah because yeah. of how you guys are gossiping about each other exactly. you know yeah so especially the remember back when in our exegesis description right we talked about how important it is when certain words are used a lot mm-hmm. in a passage in, in like this is why it all starts to come together right that's why it's so important to start with exegesis yes so important because you'll notice in in James, especially James chapter two and onwards, it says, "You see, I uh, I'll show you. You see, I'll show you." It uses this language of showing and seeing over and over and over. Yeah. So it even says, "You see that Abraham was justified mm-hmm. uh, by works, right?" Mm-hmm. So he says, "You see, and I'll show you my faith by my works." Yeah. So the entire passage is saying. We, like, I can't see your faith, mm-hmm. obviously. You mm-hmm. can't see my faith. We're not God, right? We don't have the ability to see whatever that is. But what we can see are works. Yeah, it's the fruit. It's the fruit. Yeah. You know, we, we can't see yeah. the root and we can't see the seed, but we can yeah. see the fruit that's yeah. produced. And so yeah. it, it's really clear in James. That's why you have to start with exegesis. Why mm-hmm. is James using all this seeing and showing language over and over and over? Yeah. Maybe it's because it's important. Yeah. Uh, and so... Then he explains, you see that Abraham was justified. How mm-hmm. do you see? Because he actually followed what God said. Yeah. His faith, prom- his true faith, mm-hmm. prompted him to work out in a way that was proper to his understanding of God's promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he knew that God could, you know, easily raise mm-hmm. uh, his, his son from the dead if need mm-hmm. be. So, uh, again, that's why it's, you, you start with exegesis, and then you say, okay, how does this fit into, like, the general biblical theology, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, all right, well, it seems like uh, in Genesis it says Abraham was uh, believed in God, mm-hmm. and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah. It was imputed to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. So we see that part of redemption is this, or a truth of redemption is this mm-hmm. crediting by faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that points to Christ, yeah. in whom we actually believe. So then you yeah. says this, this redemption, you have this biblical theology, yeah. and, and that's really important. Then... You go to systematic theology. Yeah. Uh, what does it say about God? Right? What does it say about God? What does it say about sin? About what does it sin? say about Salvation. even resurrection? resurrection? Um, you know, yeah, there's exactly. all sorts of different themes that your systematic theology could really dive into. Yes. And it can lead down quite a rabbit trail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true. But ultimately, it, it, it creates this robustness of like the emphasis of biblical theology. Mm-hmm. I think they work hand in hand. They do. So. And if you skip exegesis, I mean, goodness. Oh, you're not going to understand anything. I don't. Yeah, and so many people actually think it's a contradiction. I spend (laughs) most. I mean, I think most of my time, uh, week to week, after you know, sermon after sermon is is spent in theological reflection. But it comes into even comes after even more time doing exegesis, Mm -hmm. turning over stones in the passage, looking up cross references, checking out emphasis. Um, but biblical theology really draws out those themes yes. and, um, 
and different doctrines. And I have to be careful not to turn a sermon about a passage into some sermon about some doctrine of other things, but the sermon will incorporate yes, that will. doctrine. You it's know? true. It's true. So, That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a good process. It, it'll keep mm-hmm. us anchored in the faith. It'll keep us anchored in our Bible reading mm-hmm. by doing these things. It is not pharisaical. It's not... Um, it's not Gnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is just simple, like respecting God's authority in the Bible yes. and yielding to it and submitting to it. This mm-hmm. is all the process of it. So, Amen. Um, hopefully, we we hit on that good enough that um, if we ever decide to do some examples in the f- future of yes. just breaking out a passage and talking about this further, uh, we can do that. But yeah. That'd be great. We can go ahead and wrap up this episode of Koinonia Podcast. And if there's any questions that you have, go on our website and find our podcast page. And um, it's steelvalleychurch.com. And you can submit any questions or clarifications on anything that we said. Amen. Yeah. But until next time, we'll see you. Amen. God bless you all. This podcast is a ministry of Steel Valley Church. For more information on how to participate, visit our website at steelvalleychurch.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in.